0: Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. On this episode of Coffee and Change, we talk with Danielle Decatur, a strategist at Microsoft who supports enterprise services delivery. We discussed the importance of using change management to drive strategy. Danielle recently wrote a LinkedIn post on the topic, and I was excited to sit down with her to gain her insights.
1: So uh, I'm Danielle Decatur, and I work for Microsoft. My role is in enterprise services delivery. And I do strategy work. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And so how do we know each other, Danielle? Oh,
1: well, <laughs> um, Bill was my former boss at IBM, and we worked together uh, at the Air Force. The Air Force was our client, and it was a ton of fun. And I really miss working for Bill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we got to know each other at IBM, mm-hmm. um, and at the time... I had been doing uh, change management consulting and change management work, mm-hmm. um, and you you were doing quite a bit of change management consulting at the time as well. Although mm-hmm. I don't know if that was your intent or where you thought you were going to end up. So can you tell, tell us a little bit about <laughs> kind of how you how you started in consulting mm-hmm. um, and how your track changed a little bit, and how mm-hmm. you ended up being a practitioner of change management.
1: Sure. So. Uh... I started with IBM right out of college, and it was one of those serendipitous encounters where I was waitressing through college, and someone from IBM Consulting was my customer. When really, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> I totally didn't, <laughs> you didn't know that? No, oh my
1: gosh, oh yeah. So it was the Albany Marriott, uh, and he came in one night, and he was like my very last customer, and we just started chatting, and it turned out that he was recruiting at RPI, my alma mater, for engineers. I was not an engineer, but he was intrigued, and so I sent him my resume, and he slipped it in with the other resumes okay. um, for the interviews that he was doing on campus, and then they invited me to come down and interview, and I got the job. So that was in D.C., so I moved from state New York to D.C. for this job, and consulting just seemed like the absolute right first career for me because you get a lot of diverse, interesting, uh, dynamic experiences really Quickly, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that I would be in consulting for ten years mm-hmm. at that point. Um, but I really liked it immediately. I mean, it's very dynamic. You know, you're you're you have to assimilate into a culture very quickly. Um, and I got the opportunity really early on to gain some hard skills with, uh, around Lean Six Sigma. Okay. So that's how I started at the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was doing that work, and I had a client that really liked our team, and he moved over to a different Air Force organization and said, you know, I want to bring Danielle and some folks over there with me. So went over there, and it was strategic communications as part mm-hmm. of a broader change management effort. Okay. And so it was IBM and Booz Allen Hamilton at the time um, that were had a joint contract, and we were driving some pretty significant changes mm-hmm. um, in the 60,000-plus person organization.
0: Okay. Talk to us about some of those changes. Um, I, I do remember a number of them, and, mm-hmm. and specifically, you got to do some pretty cool stuff around Speech writing um, yes, and strategic yes. communication. Mm-hmm. So, talk, talk a little bit, I guess, about some of the changes that were rolled out and sure. then um, some, of, uh, some of what you saw in when you were sort of tapped to be a speechwriter essentially for a general.
1: Yeah. So, uh, it was an interesting uh, time because our contract, our main team, our, our main customer was the, the two star general, but then he had a captain, an Air Force captain, that reported directly to him that. Um, or up through him that was responsible for strategic communications. And she was just a, just a dynamo, you know, and was super energetic and had a lot of good ideas about how to get in touch with this workforce of 60,000 people across the world. You know, mm-hmm. some, some in the Pentagon, some at bases in the U.S., some at bases abroad, and others in forward operating bases in uh, conflict areas mm-hmm. like Afghanistan and, and Iraq so this was at the time we just had that for that troop surge mm-hmm. um and so there were in this particular organization uh was a skill set that um was explosive ordnance disposal so that if you ever heard of the movie the hurt locker those, mm-hmm. are, those are the guys um and so that skill set plus some other specialized skill sets required these folks to be deployed every six months okay. and so they were gone for the same six months out of every year Um, for a couple of years, missing the same kids' birthdays, Mm -hmm. missing the same anniversaries, and just being away from their families. And so just that change in Mm -hmm. itself was really um, shook up, you know, the organization because people wanted to leave the service, Mm -hmm. um, you know, retire early or separate uh, because it was just too hard. And so they needed some sort of um, they need to be managed through that change and also feel connected to the organization mm-hmm. even when they were af- afar okay. so uh, so there's and then there was a myriad of other changes going on as well there's a lot of technology change that was happening um, and in order to un- create some sort of create uh, the image and the view of a unified strategy that everyone could be a part of and it made made sense to people, we put together this communications campaign that was multifaceted. So we had a newsletter, we had a video series, which mm-hmm. is where the speech writing came in. Okay, um, And we had... Um, uh, sort of a blog as mm-hmm. well uh and tried to get into social media a little bit right. which was interesting i
0: remember those early days of getting mm-hmm. getting their facebook page launched
1: oh i know and the it,
0: community around it yeah. yeah
1: and i was a big fan of admiral Mullins at the time mm-hmm. do you remember him he, he had a yeah. very prominent facebook page and he was kind of leading the way for mm-hmm. uh, military uh, leadership to be on social media uh so so that was really fun because uh you know we had we also as a as a IBM team experienced a change in leadership at the time so when i first joined it was one two star general who was very comfortable in front of the camera mm-hmm. and really enjoyed public speaking pretty charismatic and then uh, his replacement the next two star he um was much more analytical mm-hmm. and um Probably really better in a one on one type conversation okay. than in a broadcast type conversation, right. and you know it can be very intimidating to go to the air force studio or uh, and to sit in front of a camera in front of a green screen and to have a script rolling through in front of you right. um, so you know in you know the script writing process itself was. Pretty massive because yeah. you went through, you had to gather input from so many different sources about the key messages and then you had to put it into writing and in, in his voice yeah and uh, and so it was really fun though I mean the Air Force studio folks were um, just a riot to work with.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so shortly after, um, I believe if the timeline is right, you went to you went to business school um, mm-hmm. after um, yes. after IBM. Yes. Talk a little bit about. I guess if you could tell us a little bit about the experience it was like at business school, mm-hmm. and knowing what you know now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> would you have done anything differently through business school or at business school?
1: Mm. So interesting. So, I did go to business school with a pretty specific target in mind okay. I, and I and I do recommend that for people that are going to grad school is you should have an idea in your mind of the job you want to have after okay um, because I think it really orients you around the right classes and activities and mentors and internships and um, so my goal was to work in uh, corporate citizenship or okay. Um, environmental sustainability mm-hmm. um, as part of a corporation and I, I became interested in that because before the Air Force even, I had a project uh, after Hurricane Katrina um, down in working with FEMA in New Orleans and Baton Rouge and um, I saw a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of mishandling of mm-hmm. resources, some deliberate, some not, um, not deliberate, but really I realized that you know, corporations have a responsibility, a fundamental responsibility to the societies in which they operate and to the environment in which they operate. And mm-hmm. so I really wanted to be on those teams and doing that work and driving, you know, renewable energy projects and uh, vo- employee volunteer programs and things like that. So that's what I was really interested in. And that drove me to get involved in an organization called Net Impact, okay. um, which is a chapter model across business schools. Um, They also have professional chapters in different cities. And that, for me, was some of the most enjoyable uh, times in in the aspects of business school for me because I got to work on really interesting projects. I got a great internship with a nuclear and renewable energy company Mm -hmm. uh, and doing sustainability work. And so uh, that was a really, really good decision because... I had that internship, and actually, um, I was fortunate enough to get a full time offer as well from them to go to afterward. But also at that time, I started interviewing with Microsoft.
0: Okay.
1: And so it came down to a decision between this intern, this wor- uh, working full time at this company for which I had interned, and trying a new adventure with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And the role at Microsoft was in consulting, mm-hmm. and because. Actually, it's funny. A lot of people don't even know that Microsoft has consulting services, but it's a 20,000-person organization. Okay, um, And I it came down to uh, working in the function that I really liked for a boss I really liked versus work, plugging myself into a company that had such a vast scope and scale and the opportunity to do just, I mean... Ton of different things, right. you know. I mean, just the sheer size and reach, and reach exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And Microsoft has a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of corporate citizenship programs available, um, and I was able to participate in some of them through uh, the Net Impact chapter at Microsoft. Okay. Um, I was the president of that chapter for a couple of years. Okay. And so uh, the journey has been interesting because that's when I uh, I got into uh, change management consulting. And I would call it uh, more. Uh, well, I guess it was it was really change management to drive technology adoption. Okay. But that's when I actually got a Prosci change management certification, and I realized, oh, okay. Now I really have a construct around the things oh, that I was doing yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. Um and it really I took to it because I also am an extrovert, you know, on the strengths finder. Mm-hmm. I'm a woo. I really mm-hmm. love connecting with people. Um it interests me to uh find out people's motivations and, mm-hmm. and help uh bring change about in an organization by really focusing on individual change. You right. know, I mean just because Microsoft is 100,000 people, that's actually 100,000 different individual individual experiences. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, that was pretty cool because I got to work with all sorts of different industries and uh, companies in different places in the U.S., and uh, we were driving technology adoption, but technology really is an an enabler of other things, Mm -hmm. right? It enables teams to come together and collaborate. Uh, to streamline their operations. And so it was interesting having the technology lens on change management and doing that at different customers. Um, And then, of course, I was on that team for a while, and then a new opportunity came up working for a boss, an old boss of mine at Microsoft, um, who I admire greatly. And shout out to Ken Archer. <laughs> and <laughs> so he uh, brought me into this new team, which was a strategy function, a very okay. small team, four people in enterprise services delivery. So um, our focus has been, and I joined that team July last year. And the focus of that team has been to uh, figure out what is the roadmap for how we're going to deliver services. So, mm-hmm. and which is, Complex thing because the rate of change is pretty extreme. Yeah. Um, and you could say that pretty much across all industries. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so how can we um locate people in the most appropriate places? How can we bring in automation? Mm-hmm. How can we um standardize our our solutions to the extent possible so that we can um partner, you know, use our partner ecosystem to do some of the activities so we can kind of move up the value chain of digital sure. transformation. And, yeah. uh, so, yeah.
0: So, so talk a little bit about the, you know, roadmap and strategy, mm-hmm. but also the amount of change happening. Cause this mm-hmm. is something that I see every day with customers yeah. and mm-hmm. clients and even consultants as, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. we've both been in a space for a while. Yeah. You know, one of the things we hear about is what's the point of a roadmap and a strategy. It's yeah. all going to change anyway. Yeah. So, right in your perspective, having done the change management sort mm-hmm. of with the troops, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. the yeah. in the trenches mm-hmm. and then gone up through the formal certifications and you've trained others on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you're at the sort of setting the strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that changed or how has it changed your perspective on that, that kind of work? Uh, yeah. Cause it's still something that I struggle with, frankly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, well, I will say that so a lot of things came to mind when you were just asking that question. I think strategy is well, first of all, it's kind of a word that's overused, right? Okay. Now. <laughs> yeah. No.
0: The power of words. Yeah. It, it is. It's yeah. overused. Yeah. And a
1: lot of times when we say strategy, we really mean tactics. Okay. Um and
0: Which seem more approachable.
1: Yeah, they are they are more, more approachable. Yeah. They're more readily ti- they're more measurable. Yeah. Um it's and I think and this is part of almost a philosophical conversation about how I think US businesses in particular have a really hard time thinking over long time horizons mm-hmm. because of the way that are because of the stock market.
0: Because the way we're measured. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So especially if you're a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had my own company, I would never go public. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say this now, but who knows what's gonna happen in yeah. twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: can play this back in twenty years. <laughs> exactly. <I'm sorry.
1: laughs> but I think you know, the luxury you have is a private um privately held company is that you can take more risk, mm-hmm. um, or you can, um, uh, you know, when you develop a solution or a product, you can, you can be negative for longer mm-hmm. and, and iterate and iterate, and then, you know, have a longer time horizon to see your margin grow and, um, and your innovation, you know, uh, multiply. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. So, and I think that, being a strategist in a company, um, really any organization, but especially some a company that's publicly traded is, um, it requires change management skills because you need to help leaders think beyond, you know, their quarterly metrics and their annual metrics and it can be very, very difficult. Um, when I went to, recently went to a conference, uh, in December in New York, Or uh, strategy innovation, and that was something I was relieved to encounter because I'm I'm new to the strategy field. You know, Mm -hmm. I have an MBA, and you know, I've done elements of strategy, but as a true strategist, you know, this is my first role in doing that. And I was, I was glad to hear uh, that. I think that's a common problem. Mm -hmm. That it's, it's just, it's very difficult to create to change. The, strate- the mindset of leaders and to be more strategic and forward-looking. And I said roadmap earlier because it's sort of the job description, you mm-hmm. know, that I've been operating with, but roadmap is a misnomer.
0: And, and tell us a bit, a little bit about that as well, because yeah. I, I, I see that come up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think with some groups of people, it gives them comfort.
1: Yes, it with does. With
0: others, it gives mm-hmm. them confusion.
1: Oh, sure. Well, I think, um, I actually, at the same conference that I just mentioned, there was a great session called something like, um so you don't have a so you don't have a roadmap a roadmap maybe that's okay. Okay. And
0: <laughs> yeah. you're <laughs> you know? going to be okay. Yeah, and yeah. it was it,
1: and the the analogy was something about uh how you can't have a map for what hasn't been explored before. It's like a Lewis and Clark situation, yeah. you know. A great they, analogy. You know. Yeah. So I think what and I wrote a blog post about this recently um or over the a few months ago about having more of a culture of, of experimentation mm-hmm. where you have shorter planning horizons and you can really have some scientific methods and some rigor behind your experiments to try to prove out your hypotheses, mm-hmm. you know, or, or disprove your hypotheses. Yeah. And so, but that's hard too, because we don't often give people in I say we, like the royal we, <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in large organizations, we yeah. don't often give people the leeway to fail. We There's been this whole movement about fail fast and yeah. disrupt fail forward. Yeah, fail forward. Right, exactly. And I think that we all know that that's the right thing to do, but it's very hard to make that shift because people are afraid. Yeah. There's a lot of fear um, and, you know, sometimes a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. We don't trust um, our people, we don't trust each ourselves or mm-hmm. one another, and so and you need those foundational elements in order to be able to experiment yeah. and and just turn out a bunch of 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 experiments. You know, write out your hypotheses and say you know and um, it, be very deliberate about how you design the experiments as well, so you can quantify the results and you can try to prove causation rather than just correlation. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's
0: interesting you bring up trust because I was having a conversation recently with someone saying that to to really do change management well, Mm -hmm. I think trust is one of the key ingredients. Oh, for sure. But it takes time mm-hmm. to get trust. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think it takes is sponsorship and and yes. leadership. Yes. So I'm curious your perspective. You've worked for a lot of large organizations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an amazing leader in Satya Nadella. Yeah. Yes, is. a um, Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> um, but there's also a lot being spotlighted i think with what's going on at microsoft and the amount of change that's happening internally Mm -hmm. in the culture and Mm -hmm. and frankly the way satya is standing up there and saying Mm -hmm. we are going to try and we are going to fail and we are going to experiment and this Mm -hmm. is what it's all about so i'd love to get your perspective on that the role of a sponsor the role of a ceo Mm -hmm. um you know the word strategy it's all tied back to those leaders um but it comes with this this key ingredient of trust. So, yeah. is the role of the sponsor changing in your in your mm. mind um, mm. with all the work that you're doing? Yeah, and then thinking about it through being a change practitioner.
1: Mm. So, the way that I, th- I think about sponsorship is that it's uber important to have. The right level of sponsorship, the right level, and and here I'm talking about executive sponsorship, the primary sponsor, the person that is putting their career on the line and saying this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in the case of Satya, you know, it's this, um, you know, uh, vision for the cloud. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a growth mindset. This is the growth mindset is I think the key. Um, culture change that we're driving. I mean, as Microsoft, we've been and had a culture of innovation always. Yeah. But there's the growth mindset is more than just that. It's it's also about um, not coloring your future view by your past experiences and mm-hmm. say just because it didn't work before doesn't mean we could try it, we can try it here. Yeah. Um, and I think. It's not so you need that primary executive sponsor that says this is what we're going to do. And then when I was working with my customers, you know, it was we're going to we're going to have this wholesale you know CRM change, or Mm -hmm. we're going to have this wholesale um, productivity platform change. We're changing from Lotus Notes Office 365. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a little bit of a dated example, but for
0: example, but once some people are going through, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. So um, you need that executive sponsor, but then you also need the sponsor network. You know, so you need people champions throughout the entire organization that understand what that change is and why it's important and how it impacts them mm-hmm. and then how it impacts their people. And then they're in that interpretation layer. So okay. they are the ones that make it real. They translate so it. They, they translate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I have never, I've been in the room with Satya one time ever, you know, and I've, I've never had a one-on-one meeting with him, mm-hmm. you know, so he can't tell me mm-hmm. what growth mindset means to me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't know who i am he doesn't right. know who my job is um but my my boss the director his boss the vp yeah. these are people that i do interact with and the message they need to be carrying that message as well
0: yeah it should cascade down it
1: should okay. yeah and i think the cascade um that word is used so much yeah. right and that when we you know when i even in my current role a lot, for a lot of strategic initiatives, I will be a sort of internal advisor on change management, mm-hmm. given my experience. And we always have that in the bag, the, yeah. email, the email cascade. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, the, the person at the top writes the email and then they send it to a certain distribution list. That distribution list forwards it to the next distribution list, yeah. you know? And that's certainly important, yeah. um, but it's not sufficient.
0: It's not working anymore to the way we no. we used to think it did, right? No. Yeah. No. How, why is that, do you think?
1: Well, I think people have email fatigue. Yeah. So they don't read their emails. Mm-hmm. I think they also, um, it's not just about a written word. It's about a conversation. Okay. You know, so having a, even a phone call or face to face is always ideal, yeah. but a one, but a one-on-one conversation is important as well. And also, um, I think people are just inundated with a lot of noise, and mm-hmm. you know, so just because this one change, you know, we always think about the landscape of change for an individual. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as me as Danielle at Microsoft, you know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to change into this growth mindset, mm-hmm. right? I'm trying to. Um, be up on our latest technology all the time, personally, so that I can be an evangelist for mm-hmm. our technology as well. I'm trying to, um, you know, my boss has just announced that he's moving to a new role. That's the change I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I have personal changes that are happening in mm-hmm. my life, you know? And so my landscape of change looks a lot different from my colleague, even if he's on the same team as I am. Yeah. And so you need someone that can translate that to you. And you can't do that over email, mm-hmm. especially an email to multiple people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you talked about the conversation and mm-hmm. this is actually something I'm seeing, um, a lot more mm-hmm. frankly in mm-hmm. organizations, which mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about, which is, mm-hmm. Going back to literally, if you can, just go for a walk and have a cup yeah. of coffee and have a conversation yeah. right. um, about what you would normally put or what would go out in that mm-hmm. communication. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing, I mean, you're, you're at a very large organization mm-hmm. that has the technology. Um, you're you're spread out all over the world. Yeah. Are you seeing um, in your day-to-day, are you seeing people do more of that? Is there is there an opportunity to do more of it? I mean... Technology can sometimes be convenient,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it can also be a distraction. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I think, well, it's interesting cause I, I work in a virtual team pretty okay. much. So my boss, um, the one, the outgoing boss, he was in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. His boss was in India. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you can't know, really just
0: pop up and have coffee. Yeah,
1: you can't, but you can create the, the, the opportunity. So, um, I think getting together in person a couple times a year is really important for teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, even for all the wonderful virtual productivity and collaboration software we make, I think there's no replacement for mm-hmm. like an in-person meeting. Um, so a couple times a year, budget allowing, you know, I mean, we have a very, you know, a tight budget situation as, a, as many, many orga- organizations yeah. do with internal travel, mm-hmm. you know? So that's hard, but when you do make it meaningful. You know, uh, think really deliberately in advance about the agenda for the meeting portion Mm -hmm. and don't forget about time to just shoot the breeze.
0: Get to know each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as I also work for a company full of introverts. (laughs) And so sometimes if you're in a conference room all day together, it's hard to go to dinner after. Oh yeah. Um, but do it, you know, even if, or even just grab a drink after, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really important. Do something
0: that breaks the, breaks the plane of work and allows exactly. there for, to be a little bit of that conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then, you know, when you are in virtual scenarios, using video is, you know, I'm, I try to be good, better about that because mm-hmm. it's, it is, you do connect more with people when you're using video rather them. than just audio. Sure. So using video, um, making sure that you have recurring meetings on the schedule. I, something also that I've been careful to do as I've progressed at Microsoft has, um, been to really actively cultivate my network within the company Mm -hmm. and, and externally as well. But, you know, I've got recurring phone calls with people for that. I haven't worked with in a couple of years, you know, but just so I can keep connected with the work they're doing and, um, you know, just, feel that I'm part of the organization, you know, and creating those, those stronger ties. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um,
1: yeah. And especially since this is my first not customer facing role and it's really, I, I really am concerned about losing touch with the customer. And so talking to practitioners regularly that are out there is helpful.
0: Okay. So, well, uh, before we wrap up here, I just have one, one more question for you about, um, I guess, some of, the, some of the things you're excited about. Um, yeah. We're, we're almost halfway through the year.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and so, thinking about the, the rest of the year, mm-hmm. um, personally and professionally, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of change
1: mm-hmm.
0: coming at us in high doses, mm-hmm. um, everywhere from work to life to mm-hmm. economy to the global stage. What are some things you're really excited about? changing in the rest of the year and other things you might be a little apprehensive about
1: hmm Intre- oh my god this is such an, a loaded question <laughs> <laughs> well you know what's kind of interesting is that our fiscal year ends in june so okay. so for me it's like the end of the year for okay. work okay. but but it's but for sure in rest of life you know it's mid-year um so for for work i am um i am sad that my current boss is leaving, mm-hmm. but I'm also excited about the prospect of for, for the time being reporting directly to his boss. Okay. And so I'm trying to embrace change.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even <laughs> you we know? have a hard time with that. Exactly.
1: You know. Yeah. You know, when I, when I heard the announcement, um, the immediate physical reaction to change, it's so real. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether someone's taking your spot at the dinner table or, or someone's told you you're fired, it's right. like the same physical reaction. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited about the opportunity that that will bring. Uh, in personal life, I am excited about, um, uh, this other side project that I'm working on that (laughs) that's all about, um, conscious consumerism. Okay. Yeah. And so, and I think that's tied up with the other broader trends that I'm seeing that I feel good about Mm -hmm. is that. There's been a lot of um, newly minted activists. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of positivity around that, which is really good. Um, I'm, of course, apprehensive about the forces that are in, in the works that have created those activists. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I think one thing that can be said positively about this about what we're going through right now as a nation and, mm-hmm. as, and, and as a global um, community is that people are waking up they're realizing that there are things that need to be addressed Yeah, and we need to work and to come together. And, um, and I think there's a new, there's a, a good emphasis on kindness mm-hmm. and I am excited to see where that will go. Okay. You know, I have a, a brother that's significantly younger than I am. He's 19 years older mm-hmm. and he, I'm, I feel I'm thinking about him and when when I was his age, September 11th had just happened, okay. you know, and, and I'm, I'm thinking that this is another time of great change in mm-hmm. a different way, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm excited for him to, to seize opportunities mm-hmm. to make the world a better place. And I know that sounds like such a platitude, but I'm really, I think that there is an opportunity and I have a three-year-old nephew that I think is just so smart and, um, the things that are happening in his school, you mm-hmm. know, and there's an the emphasis on kindness is there even at that age, yeah. you know, I think people are just more aware of it now. And so I'm, I'm excited about that.
0: That's good. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for the time. Yeah. Today. Um, Thanks really for letting
1: re- me talk your ear off. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, oh my gosh, we could talk for hours too. Could. Cause I haven't even asked you any questions.
0: Well, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, we will probably have a repeat edition. Uh, oh, good. Edition with oh, you good.
1: Let's yeah. Let's, um, change places. I'll interview you. Well, there
0: you go. We could probably do that. Maybe when we hit the halfway mark, <laughs> okay. um, we could do a special edition where, right. uh, The interviewer becomes the Mm, interviewee. I'll turn the tables on you,
1: Bill. Awesome. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Danielle.
1: Yes, thank you.